0: this episode, I sit down and talk to Reverend Frank Ritchie. Now, Reverend Frank is a Wesleyan minister in Hamilton, but he's also a broadcaster himself. He creates podcasts where he investigates behind-the-scenes stuff, uh, particularly the emotional impact of big, hard-hitting news stories for some of our media personalities, and he works as a media chaplain, where he goes out with him and his other chaplains to help people in the media process some of the information that they've got to deal with, as well as making sure that they've got an ear to to lean on if they need it. Um, I should point out, this was recorded on the morning of Friday the 3rd of September, and it sort of speaks volumes to me about the character that Frank has, knowing full well that what happened that afternoon here in Auckland, he would have wanted to be up here to help people out, and couldn't with the lockdowns. So for me, this is a fascinating conversation about how to handle those sort of lockdown pressures, um, when you're juggling so much and trying to adapt to things so quickly. It's a really interesting way to sort of look at the world. So I hope you enjoy the conversation. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Tell everybody about it. Share it with the world. Uh, other than that, enjoy. So, how, how are, are you? you? I'm good. Yeah. yeah, it's Friday.
1: The sun is shining. It is the Friday is upon us. Not yeah. that the weekend's much different from Friday at the moment.
0: <laughs> no, because in Hamilton, you guys are obviously level three at the moment. So
1: yeah, which is level four with takeaways?
0: Have you had takeaways yet?
1: Nah, nah. Huh? I think uh, Sunday. I've got a I've got a dish coming from my favourite cafe, uh, and then because it's Father's Day, and then the in the evening. Oh I crap! Think, it noodles. is too. Yeah, noodles from Chili House in the oh evening. Oh my god,
0: that sounds You'd like be a familiar, familiar with Sunday. Chili
1: House, wouldn't you? Being yeah. a Hamiltonian,
0: yeah, 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 absolutely. No, great noodles there. Very yeah. cool noodles there. So let me see if I've got the number of hats that you wear right, because there's quite a few of them, isn't there? There is a few. <laughs> so there's Father. And father, right, two different sorts of fathers. Is, <laughs> yeah. is that technically. Yeah, though. Right?
1: In, in Wesleyan Methodist circles, we don't use the term father; just minister, pastor, reverend. Which uh, do you prefer? Those. Oh, I mean, I have reverend on the on the Twitter handle, and it, it seems to be what people prefer to use. But minister fits really okay. well. Okay, yeah. Um broadcaster, minister.
0: Yep, um, podcaster. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, as part of Cause, what cause we do with got media chaplaincy, um, yep. and, and the media chaplaincy. Yeah. What have I missed? Yeah, that about covers it. Okay, no, nothing else hidden in there. Like there's no sort of artist or painter or chess player, chess player, <laughs> musician.
1: No, nothing like that. No. Okay. All so, that other stuff takes up far too much time.
0: Yeah, I can imagine you must be fairly busy when you're not stuck in lockdown.
1: Yeah, reasonably. I mean, I'm busy now as well. Yeah. Uh, it's just a different type of busy. Yeah. How about you? Talk me through. I, I know that. I know that this you want to have a chat with me
0: about yeah. me, but
1: talk me through first oh, your I, life.
0: I, I, I'm incredibly boring at the moment. Like I'm locked down at home by myself, working from home. Like it's it's. Yeah. This is the closest I've got to talking to myself so far. So it, it's <laughs> it, it's been okay. But like I've been working from home, so that takes up most of my day anyway um but yeah it's just sort of yeah beautiful weather and I needed something to do and I thought yeah why not have some conversations with interesting people and and tie it all back into the old radio show that I used to have when I was down there so for me it's it's about seeing what people are doing with the lockdowns and how they're sort of coping with it but also trying to get some inspiration for people out there who might be feeling a little bit stuck like I I know I've got friends who are sitting there twiddling their thumbs and don't know what to do and having trouble filling the space. But I think part of it for them is also this mental block that they don't think that there's anything else that they can do and they can't get out there and be as creative as they want or have as much fun as they want. So I thought if I talked to a few interesting people and got some ideas on what they were doing and how they were coping with it, then it might give them some inspiration as well. So tell me, (laughs) media chaplaincy, how do you get into that? Because that's obviously not a field that they sort of teach you at school guidance counselors. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, no, they don't. Uh,
1: I guess as a as a church minister and as someone connected into the media as a broadcaster, uh, I I get and I understand the pressures that a lot of media people face. And I'm a news hound. I love the news, uh, and I I have a reasonable understanding of the industry. So then, in thinking through about how. I could serve the industry uh, best, uh, chaplaincy seemed like a really good option. That, that space that sits between, I guess, uh, a friend that you can talk to stuff about and a counsellor. So mm-hmm. chaplaincy isn't counselling, but it's also not your best mate. Yeah. Uh, but we're, we're a confidential space where people can offload about uh, the pressures of their work. Uh, family life, whatever, to someone who gets it. Uh, and then if we think that counselling is needed, we'll escalate that. Uh, but effectively, we carved this out. So this didn't exist before we started up uh, Media Chaplaincy New Zealand. We knew that there were other chaplaincy models out there. Mm-hmm. In different spaces like hospitals, defense, uh, universities, there's industrial chaplaincy, if there was a death in a workplace that traumatized people. You could call in industrial chaplaincy. But we saw real, real space there uh, to offer care in the industry because we didn't see a lot of care in the industry at the time. Uh, we started it up end of 2014, beginning of 2015. There was a whole okay. lot of shift and change going on. And so uh, it just seemed like a good thing to put on the table and it's grown ever since.
0: Did you find after uh, the Christchurch attacks that you sort of had a jump in people like, oh, how do I process this? I and mean, obviously the media was very heavily involved with with, with getting the stories out and and that must be so confronting for everybody involved. Have you seen jumps like that where people go, um, I need to talk? Like it's just a wall that they need to process.
1: Yeah, a lot of our work is just putting ourselves out there mostly, uh, building relationships. So when those sort of things happen, people know that they've got someone they can trust to turn to, that we're not just this big unknown uh, entity, this strange thing that kind of just sits out there. So when the mosque attack happened, uh, I flew down the next morning. I had booked flights to get in the evening of the shooting, but flights in Hamilton were grounded, so I couldn't get out till the next morning. Made my way into a couple of media huddles and just off Food and water, knowing that journalists would just stand there until uh, they got some information, so they wouldn't leave just in case they missed out. Yeah. Uh, so walked in, made that offer. I was wearing my clerical collar, so it's very obvious uh, who I am and what I do.
0: Uh, and and if, many of them would recognise you anyway.
1: Yeah, at that point, I was I was probably still relatively uh, unknown. Okay, a few knew who I, who I was, but a lot didn't. Uh, but there are a few people who took up the offer and I'd go and get them uh, food and drink and bring it back. Uh, They didn't have to pay for that. But a a number of people said no, but took the opportunity to offload in the moment to talk about the stresses that they were facing. And then there were a number that I knew while I was down there too, who I took out for coffee when they had a little bit of downtime, just so that they could process a little bit because they're on a lot of adrenaline. But where the real bump came for us was a year later, uh, going into lockdown last year, we very quickly turned around a podcast called Friday Prayers, where I interviewed six of the journalists who were on the scene. For a couple of those journalists, it was their first time processing it. So people got wow. to hear a little bit what sitting down with me and having a conversation can look like and can sound like. Uh, slightly different because it was interviews. Yeah, uh, but but it became a, a somewhat of a known entity, uh, and we've kind of increased ever since then. And
0: my my uh, Twitter world is very helpful <laughs> too. You're very active on Twitter. I am. Is that your your go to social media?
1: Yeah, it has become my go-to social media. It used to be uh, Facebook, but I just got... And I'm still on Facebook, but I got yeah. a little tired of some of the conversations and the, the way that they would play out on Facebook. Yeah. Twitter has quite a different dynamic. Uh, I try to navigate it fairly carefully, but it's also where a whole lot of journalists and media people are. Yes. And since they're the people that I want to serve and want to be helping, uh, being present on and active on Twitter just makes a whole lot of sense. Yeah, that makes sense. And I'm very intentional about the tone that I take on Twitter, understanding that I'm a fairly rare. Entity as a minister engaging not simply with people from my church or people who hold the same views as me, but I'm engaging with a wider public. Uh, so I'm relatively careful about the tone that I take and how I curate that space. But yeah, it, it seems to be easier to manage than uh, Facebook does. Yeah. And conversations can move on fairly quickly. Whereas in Facebook, it's very, very easy to get caught in these endless discussions with conspiracy theorists yes uh, people who just want to put up essays and links about their particular view and it's it's never ending because yeah. you can't change anybody's mind in that environment so oh, just no, you never going will. and going and
0: going um, speaking of conspiracy theories there's obviously been a lot of that around lately there was, there was the breakout of miQ the, the, the guy in miQ who was spouting conspiracy theories and stuff like that do you come across that a lot in your various fields of work? Because I know the media is very much a, you know, this is what the science says and pushing that. I, I personally don't know how many people within the media are 100% on board with that. But I get the impression that they're all fairly up to speed and agree with the science. Um, with your, your sort of minister's hat on, do you find many people come to you as a minister and go, well, I don't know if I trust this? Do you get a lot of that? Yeah,
1: it's a good question. Uh, I don't get it so much in my personal sphere or in my congregation. My congregation is pretty much on board with uh, the government's way through this and with the vaccine. Uh, But of course, when I when I publicly comment, then it's a then it's a different game. Yeah, because anybody can respond to that, uh, and so I get a lot of responses from people who think I'm being irresponsible. Uh, they've got a completely different view. Uh, there's some Christian media that I'm on regularly, and have been vocal about my support for the government, and they generally get it in the neck when I vocalise my support. Really, text messages all come in, uh, but I think it's worth recognising that it's a vocal. Minority. While yeah. there's while there's a good number of them, so it can sound really noisy and overwhelming. Yes, they are a minority. Uh, by and large, churches and Christians in New Zealand have been completely on board with the government. Yeah, have followed I've followed really impressed with that. Getting um, the vaccines, so. It's easy to hone in on the headlines and some of the really vocal voices, but I can guarantee that if I put up a post today uh, encouraging support for the government, encouraging the vaccine, support for what the government's been doing, uh, I will get way more likes than I will critical comments, but those critical comments will be vocal and they will continue the argument so it can feel overwhelming.
0: Yeah, I I know that feeling well. I've had the same issue when I was dealing with uh, the anti-fluoride brigade in Hamilton where I'd be stopped in the street and yelled at if I wrote something in the paper that was pro fluoride. It was like, here's the science. You're trying to, I I, I got stopped at Countdown once in Tarapa. And this woman screamed at me in the car park that I was trying to kill her kids. it, it, It can be really confronting, but they're always the loudest voice in the room, but not the biggest group there. Yeah, and it can can impact us emotionally. I mean, that that goes on for the media.
1: Yeah. Uh, Because, of course, everybody's got an opinion on every story. So as a media person, when you ask a question or you put out a story, there's going to be those people who don't like it. And they will be loud and they will be noisy. Now, for a lot of journalists, that's water off a duck's back most of the time but there are times like during these lockdowns where that gets really loud and really noisy and sometimes it can be hard to handle Uh, so i exist and my colleagues exist for those people to go oh mate this is hard and for us to go (laughs) yeah it sucks i get people who know that i sit down with journalists and Hmm. media people who then want me to push their their particular barrow and sometimes those issues are valid uh, the media is big and it's diverse. Oh, yeah. So, obviously, there's stuff that's going to happen that isn't good. I want to acknowledge that. But it's not my job to critique those things and to point those no. things out. It's my job to support those who are in the middle of it, even in those times when I disagree with what they may be uh, saying, asking, or or doing. It's my job to support anyway.
0: So, with the lockdown at the moment, you can't get into the studio, I'm guessing, or to do. Uh, yeah, show? for the. For
1: for the show that I do on Sunday yeah. evenings, there's a NZME studio about 600 meters from my home. Oh, that's uh, lucky. Because it's, yeah, because it's considered essential, I can uh, go into the studio for that. But I'm very careful about cleaning everything up, making mm-hmm. sure I'm scanning in and out. But yeah, it's extremely handy. It means I, I'm on air at I go in at five, we're on air at six, finish at 7.30 and I'm home by 7.35, 7.40. That's an
0: amazing commute yeah i wish every commute was like that Um, yeah does your co-host join you in the studio there uh she does uh, the show from whangarei so
1: she's in a studio in whangarei our producer is in auckland he's the one uh dealing with level four now oh Uh, yeah and then he pulls it all together and broadcasts
0: it out to the country so we're the non-auckland show the non-auckland show yeah that's that's not a bad place to be though i can auckland shows all the time get boring
1: yeah, it can, they can get a bit uh, Auckland-centric, but yeah. it's still uh, a huge chunk of our population. So uh, it would be very easy for us, I think, as a Hamiltonian and uh, what do you call someone from Whangarei? Whangarei, uh, to one of,
0: one of those people up there?
1: Yeah, to yeah. mock <laughs> Auckland a little bit.
0: But yeah. uh, we've got a good, good listenership in Auckland as well. So how are you finding juggling that, juggling the chaplaincy, the lockdown, and being a family person as well? Yes. Good question. Last time, I didn't deal with it very well
1: at all, Uh, partly because people were really interested. Media was very interested in what churches were doing last time. Uh, And so I ended up doing a lot of interviews just because of the personal connections uh, that I have. And it felt like I was working in my office here uh, from the moment that I woke up until the moment I needed to go to bed. Uh, And I, I didn't really have an understanding of how to create the boundaries around that. Uh, So I came out heavier than I was. Uh, Mm -hmm. My fitness had dropped considerably in a short space of time. Uh, My resting heart rate was well up. Uh, I was nervous about leaving the house. So I was not in a, I wasn't in a good space. So coming into this one, uh, I had my main goal was to come out healthier. Whatever I produced, whatever I achieve, as long as I was healthier, I was going to be happy. So I honed in on what to do for my physical health, my mental, emotional, and my uh, spiritual health as well. So this lockdown, I have a very clear morning routine, mm-hmm. which has kind of been the mainstay. Uh, of what I do, and then making sure I'm in bed relatively early-ish as well. And then everything else kind of revolves around that. But that bookends the day to make sure that I've got this clear routine and a clear goal uh, with some measurables to come out healthier than when I started this. So with the measurables, how are you going so far? How are you tracking? Oh, magnificently! <laughs> I, actually, better, better than I anticipated. Well, that's it's amazing great. what just some focus on healthy eating and a bit of exercise does. Uh, so, my routine—and this won't be everybody's routine—and it's not. It's. I don't want people to hear this as the way to get through, because honestly, being in your pajamas and watching movies all day can be really good too. But that's but how I like me, to spend my weekends. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But for me, uh, it's looked like getting up at 5 a.m., making a coffee. Then I sit with a candle. Uh, I meditate. I pray. I read scripture. And that and for about an hour, that's, uh, it's that really relaxed, quiet space before the world wakes up. Then at 6 a.m., I head out for, uh, for a run or a walk. Um, and I've been running 5K when I go out. Uh, come back home, and this is going to sound menial, but it's been r- a really important part of the routine. Come back home, cool down, shower, dressed in my clothes, uh, and then I eat breakfast. So that's a very set way of starting my day. And then I make sure that I'm in bed uh, sometime between 9.30 and 10.30 so that I can get up at, at 5. But during lockdown, I haven't woken up to the alarm yet. I've That's woken a good up- sign. Yeah, it was sort of. I've woken up before the alarm every time with my head buzzing. Much before the
0: alarm? What's that?
1: Is it it much before the alarm or is it sort of, oh, yeah, 10 minutes? Yeah, I'm sort of. Nah, like this morning I had an issue that I was stewing over, so it was like 3 a.m. And then it's been 4 to 4.30 consistently. Uh, So that's not great, but the routine has made a massive difference. And then focusing on. Eating well as well, not eating emotionally, which I would say that I was doing before this. Uh, So the food is healthier. And my heart rate has gone from at the start. My resting heart rate, according to my Fitbit, was at 75. Mm -hmm. Uh, As of today, it's at 61. Wow. Uh, So that in itself. And I've lost probably four or five kilo since we started this without doing, without That's doing really any good. kind of crash dieting or anything.
0: Cause I think I put on four or five kilo at the last lockdown, but that, that idea of having a routine is actually something that I've been telling my clients as well. You know, you've mm. got to have that routine, try and keep up your sleep patterns because a lockdown can throw those things really wickedly. How oh, are you, yeah. how are you finding your families reacting to it? Uh
1: my wife my wife runs her own business, uh, but she's been able to get the government support and is less anxious about it this time than last time because her business is one that will probably bounce back and that proved itself last time. Uh, and she saved heaps in the in-between cool. time. Um, she's probably got enough to see out six months if needed. Uh, so yeah, yeah, that's, that's not the case. <laughs> yeah. So she's she's handling it all right. And my daughter... My daughter is not a big fan, Uh, teenage daughter is not a big fan of school. So this is magnificent for her. She's been heading out walking and running in the afternoon as well. It's yeah. doing extremely well. Really interesting for my daughter. I think our, our big struggle is going to be when school comes back again, yeah. and that's just going to trigger a bunch of anxiety uh, and struggles. But she, I think she's equipped to to deal with it, and we'll help her walk through that process. But I don't. I'm not jealous of <laughs> people who are working this through with really young children. Yeah. And then trying yeah. to do their work and trying to maintain themselves as well. Uh, we did a conversation on our media chaplaincy Instagram uh, site the other night where uh, Petra Bagus, one of our chaplains, well known to a lot of Kiwis, had a conversation. Oh, I, I remember with- I TV. Yeah, yeah, mate. And she had a conversation with, uh, oh, I can't remember her qualification, but they were talking about, uh, for journalists in particular, people in media, parenting through this. So when you're out doing your stuff and you've got all these other things to do, how do you manage your household? And a lot of it was just about lowering expectations. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't have to be the perfect parent through this.
0: It must be a lot of pressure for them as well when they're presenting to camera, or public facing for, for the media. How you get that image across that you're doing the work, the hard work, while still juggling that family commitment and everything else that you've got to go through. Yeah, yeah it's, it's one of
1: those. Um, it's one of those. We talked about this a little bit with Joy Reid in the Recovering podcast, where she talked about covering the Christchurch earthquake, uh, which is a totally different situation from this, but there's a little bit of carryover. And that one of the things we touched on with Joy is that usually as a journalist, you head out during the day, uh, you report the news, you deal with, this, the, with the stresses, you tell other people's stories, and then you come home and there should be an element of home that is away from that. Yeah. Now, there's an element where if you're a journalist, you're always on, uh, but home should still be a safe place. Whereas reporting through the Christchurch earthquake For Joy and other Christchurch reporters, same with the mosque shooting, they were telling the story of their own city. So when Joy would come home, she's then dealing with the destruction of her own house. So with this, a journalist goes out to tell the story. But when they come home, they're still dealing with lockdown. And all its yeah. pressures as well and all their family stresses and the the load and the niggles that go on because we're dealing with a very, very different circumstance. It's a reality for, for those people that we're seeing on the screen. And if, I, if my encouragement to the public is anything, it's notice the human yeah. that's on the screen. By all means, disagree if you disagree, get annoyed at whatever story you're going to get annoyed at. But remember that the person you're looking at is not just a conveyor of information. Uh, they are a human being as well.
0: Yeah. Do you find that people often forget that? Like, Because obviously there's a wall between what we see, or what we are doing in our rooms and what they're presenting on screen or on air. Do, do you find that wall is something that, that people don't realize is there? Yeah, and
1: I, th- I think it's partly because if a reporter is doing their job well, there's an element where you don't see them uh, yeah. as well. But you see them, but you don't see them, and certainly when it comes to like a print story, for instance, you really don't yeah. see them, uh, and so it's easy to see the information and to react to the information, and then take it out on the the nearest. Uh, source which is going to be the the reporter and forget that we're dealing with a human being so yeah I, I, I think people forget that a lot I think they also forget that just as um, police uh, ambulance fire personnel uh, frontline staff first on the scenes the people who will run towards the emergency so journalists and a lot of media people are that as well they are they, are the they have built into them yeah they do they will run towards the danger uh, and then they will be the person, people who are gathering the information to tell us about it. The only reason that we know it's happening is because there are reporters telling us about it. Uh, so it's worth
0: remembering that they're in the middle of that stress as well. Yeah. And everything is so instant these days as well. It's just an added pressure on how you get the news out. It's yeah, it, it's, I, I don't envy the position that you found yourself in there where, where you, you're taking on all of this kind of stuff from the world. Like how do you cope with the information and those sort of emotions?
1: Yeah, I think part of chaplaincy is understanding what what we bring to the table when we sit down with someone as well and knowing what our limitations are, uh, examining why we're there, but knowing our limitations. So I'm reasonably good at being able to sit with someone, uh, hopefully, have them feel like they've been heard because I was listening well, uh, but then the, having the ability to leave that there that it, actually it's not my it's not my job to fix someone. It's not my job to change the situation. Uh, and knowing that limitation means I'm able to walk away from the conversation, having been fully present, I hope, Uh, But then not carry that with me, Uh, which is where something like prayer in my life is really significant in that regard, too. So if I do feel a concern for someone that is sitting with me, I have a way to process that, uh, to kind of offload it and to let it go uh, through prayer, which is
0: that kind of spiritual side of who I am. So with the lockdown, obviously, you you can't meet with your congregation at the moment because there's no gatherings. How are they coping
1: Yeah, I think they're doing fairly well uh, this time.
0: There are little niggles that
1: rise every now and then because I think everybody's dealing with the stress and there's some big stuff uh, going on. But generally, they deal with it quite well. I have a fairly relaxed uh, congregation. They don't expect too much, which is great. (laughs) Uh, we're a relatively quiet, simple congregation, so there isn't a whole lot of pressure to, to have to connect everything and put everything together. My hope is just that they feel connected and that if they have something that's going on in the world, if they have a need, then they have the uh, ability and they feel the confidence to be able to share that so we can all try and help meet that need
0: in some way. So um, in terms of how to get through the rest of this, sort of lockdown because mm. you guys being at level three, you've got a little bit more freedom than, than some of us Aucklanders who, who are stuck at home. Um, yeah. And can so- I,
1: can I just, can I just say, I feel for you guys like, uh, I've I've watched a whole lot of conversation around takeaways on Twitter. <laughs> Those kind of judging that yep. the nation would jump to oh, get yeah. into the takeaways, uh, and then there's everybody outside of Auckland and Northland sharing their takeaway yes. adventures. Uh, I know that's got to be hard. I understand and completely sympathise with the sense of relief and enjoyment and somewhat the normality that just being able to go to yeah. a takeaway place and get takeaways makes. When I uh, went for a run that first morning that we were at level three the other day, uh, I ran past McDonald's just after 6 a.m. I could smell it and yeah. there are a whole lot of cars coming through the drive-thru. That's, that's people finding relief. but It is. And I know that you guys in Auckland will be hanging out for that.
0: Now, Auckland is this one big bubble where it feels like we're just trapped and we can't do anything. To, yeah, to, it's
1: probably going to feel like that for a little while. A couple uh, of weeks at least. Yeah. And so just just know that the the rest of the country, apart from some vocal people who may oh, mock, yeah. uh, we're grateful. Like Auckland is the front line of this because you're the city where most people enter the country, you yeah. are the front line. And you've had to deal with this level three in particular. More so, often than the rest of us. So yeah, for I think the this is, is our fourth us, time only, now, isn't it? Yeah, whereas for the rest of us, this is only the second time that we've had to do this. So yeah. uh, to everybody watching this who's in Auckland, I appreciate you. Thank you. Um, very grateful. Yeah. Now, in terms of that question of going forward, yeah, um, what I'd really encourage people to do, because I mean, the whole thing is is stressful, even if it's enjoyable, it is still a big shift and a big change and our brain has to process that our emotions have to process that. So there's a lot to have to deal with. It's a load, whether you enjoy it or not, it's a load. So I'd really encourage people who are feeling maybe just a little bit stressed out to sit down for a moment and write two lists. Uh, In terms of thinking through their world and what they're finding hard, think through what do I have control of? What do I not have control of? Uh, Sometimes just getting that perspective is really helpful. And then just consciously putting aside the, I don't have control of that list and understanding that there's just not much we can do about it. It's up to somebody else to worry about that stuff. It's not up to us to worry about. And then look at the list that we can control and work through how we might want to do those things a little bit uh, better. So for instance, the routine that I have, I can control what time I get out of bed. I can control how much I'm moving. I can control how much I eat. Uh, and so I've set goals around those things and I've taken control of those things. I, I don't have control on the emotions of my wife through this. I can feed into that, but I don't have control of that. Same goes with my daughter. Uh, so understanding those things, is almost a 12-step program. <laughs> it's one of the elements of the 12-step program. There's a bit of that woven in there. But I'd also say set yourself some goals. Could be really small goals. Might be, I'm going to take a photo each day. uh, And then you might go for a walk in your neighborhood and take some photos. Might be in your backyard taking some photos, but a photo each day. But set yourself some goals of what you want to have achieved by the time that we get to the end of this. Uh, Not just for your work, but for yourself personally as well. Uh, Because one of the dangers that kind of started to come into play at the end of uh, this last year in lockdown was people feeling just useless. Like there's no point. There was no point to getting up in the morning. There's no point to putting the clothes on. Yeah. So give yourself a point. You have control of that.
0: Fantastic advice.
1: Thank you very much. How can people find you? Oh, really easy. Uh, probably the, the website I would most like people to familiarize themselves with, especially if they work in media. His media chaplaincy.nz. Uh, and then if you search for Reverend Frank Ritchie on Twitter, uh, you can jump into that craziness as well.
0: Fantastic. Yeah. Thank you very much for the conversation. Uh, your, You're welcome. Your, Paul. your morning routine. You can sit back and relax and have coffee now that you've gone out and done your I want to thank Reverend Frank Ritchie for joining me here on the show. If you want to have a look into more of the things that he was talking about, particularly around media chaplaincy, or even follow him on Twitter, which I thoroughly recommend, you can find the descriptions down below with links for you to be able to track it down. Join me again for our next episode. We'll be chatting to someone else equally as interesting and absolutely fascinating in their own way. Until then, don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Tell everybody about the videos, get the word out, and have a great day.